Blog Talk Radio. Seriously, they ruined my bit, man. They ruined my bit. I was going to join Yes Island, and they ruined my damn bit. Uh, Blame you, Rams. What up, everybody? Special radio. Island at the end of August. It was like Ellis Island. It went to join Yes Island, and they turned me away. What up, everybody? Special radio. It's your boy 3K at 3K underscore. Here with Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. Joey O. At LA Rams, Rams, and about to be joined by Mycin at Mighty or Mycin. Something big happened today. I don't know if you guys heard. I had the day off of work. That was great. I had a burger for lunch. That was the big news yeah. today. No, nope, the big news yeah. was that we finally did it. Hashtag pay the man became hashtag pay the man. And that's good. Hey. Let's wait for Mycin to discuss that. We finally did it. Robbo, how's your weekend looking, my man? Uh, you know what? I've got my son's wedding coming up next weekend. So this weekend, is, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, you know, um, middle, middle, middle kid, um, pretty stable, good guy, uh, often describes himself as weird. And he found someone uh, who he also describes as weirder than he is. Uh, but they're, they're, they're pretty good match for each other. They've been dating for years and years and years. And it's, uh, it's a good thing. So we've got all kinds of family coming in next week. So I've got to do like a little stuff around the house and go shopping and just get stuff ready for the wedding. So that's, that's my Labor Day weekend plans. Nothing, nothing. Is, so, is it going to be like little, a... And a little Foo Fighters concert tomorrow night thrown in there. But other than that, nothing major. Oh, you've been talking about that Foo Fighters concert a lot. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to it. Let's go. Are you, have you been a, a fan of the Foo for a long time? Are you a, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like a hardcore you... fan or more just, hey, I got tickets? No, if you live in this town, you you kind of have to do anything associated with grunge and what's uh, Dave Grohl's uh, Nirvana and Chris Novoselic's yeah. new group is going to open for them. And, and so, yeah, so it's it's all good. Love the Foos. Foos are fun. They're really, cool. they're really kind of like the last stadium rock group around, right? I mean, unless you count the guys who are just doing the retread, like you know Guns N' Roses or whatever, but that, I can't count them as being relevant. They're just doing their, their victory money tour, but... As far as like a current still yeah. band, are they like the the yeah. last big rock band who's uh, still doing yeah. stadium tours? Everyone else is like indie. like 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 pushing a new album, playing stadiums. Yeah, that's 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 hard. It's not it's um doesn't happen. Rock and roll is dead. Yeah, this it is, is definitely um, outside my subject matter expertise. Is is are the White Stripes still a thing, or are, are they done? <laughs> I think they're kind of done. Are you I just mean, laughing? Is that about it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so like, I mean, it's like, like you with rappers where you're like what about NWA Rob they've been done for 25 <laughs> I'm yeah, a big exactly. fan of Ice Cube with, no, yeah. not so much uh, I don't know what about was... Fun Fun was a big deal for a while right no? oh, yeah totally oh, I, it, it does, Mumf- does Mumford and Sons count I mean they still draw but anyways we're getting off the subject Let's talk uh, more got, about what you got for the weekend, Joey. Complicated, Joey. Well, I uh, ain't gonna have a Labor Day little barbecue over here, so I've uh, been filling up the pool in the backyard, the above ground pool, and uh, which you know, pools are just a whole pain in the ass. The whole getting the the right chemicals and getting the mix and making sure that algae is not growing and all that sort of 
crap. Um, but we got, I got it going. So it's just clean and crystal clear and it's ready to rock. So I'm going to do a big barbecue. So I got to get the grill going. And, you know, um, it's so hard sometimes when you're, you're like, okay, I make burgers. But then you're like, I'm making burgers for like 20 people. And, uh, you know, you got to make, it's all about timing. So I got to get that, get that on lock. So yeah, I guess just hanging out and prepping for that. Those and you got, the, you got the baby as well, so uh, you're, you're taking on all kinds of fun stuff. Baby! Yep, yep. Got that little four-week-old baby who just is like, a, she, at like 11 o'clock at night, she's like, okay, who wants to party? I'm going to cry for like four hours. It's the best. It's so, the worst. She, she's kind of like Sosa. It's the best. Hey! Yeah, yeah she's like Sosa. Goes to uh, 10 <laughs> diapers a night, just like Sosa. Yeah. Starts, well, starts that, crying right about 11 o'clock. Ooh, nice. Shits herself. Um, what size diaper are you up to? We're we're still at one. Those she is only ones. eleven pounds. Um, yeah, we're at level one. But uh, but she's getting chubby, so I I like that. I like Ooh. that stage where they start getting those those folds at like every joint, you know, like the wrist rolls. Um, so she's she's just gonna get too much milk. She's gonna be like a fat little two month old baby. We're, we're working on it. Got them cinnamon uh, roll legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Like the chunkster. Great. The yeah, chunkster. Yeah. You know, hey, that's how we like it in the South. We like them big legs, though. Be careful. Um, this weekend's yep. going to be a good one for me. I got uh, North Texas SMU. I'll be sitting front row tomorrow evening. So check your local listings Ooh. to see uh, where I stand. Thank you to Ren Baker, athletic director, for hooking me up. I'll be there, square and full of mean green. Uh, Labor Day, I'll be drinking and hanging out in the pool myself because it's Labor Day, and I'll use the grill for something. Haven't decided what, but you're correct, really. That's what you're supposed to do, and I'm going to do it because this is America, and I love you. Well, let's get into it while we wait for my suit because there's only one major topic to talk about, and that's Aaron Donald. Uh, finally got it done. It took a year of rumors and crappy rumors and even more crappy rumors, but some closures rumors and some innuendo and some gobbledygook. That's what Twitter's for. But we got there. Um, signing bonus, $40 million uh, on a $135 million contract. Going to keep him in horns for quite a long time. He'll be a Ram through 2024. Uh, the signing bonus is the most a non-quarterback has ever received. He's the highest defender in the history of the game, highest non-quarterback, uh, highest paid non-quarterback in the history of the game. Uh, obviously, it's a record-breaking deal that's going to change things for the NFL, especially when you look at guys like Bill Mack, other players that are going to be serving their payday. Uh, base salary hasn't really changed. It's 892, just under a million for this year. Next year is 9 million, 17 million, 2020. Almost twenty million in twenty twenty one, then a big drop. Twenty twenty two is nine and a quarter with a five million dollar bonus. Fourteen and five salary and bonus, twenty twenty three, sixteen seventy five uh in twenty twenty four with another five million dollar bonus then. Um overall Donald's gonna make fifty million dollars during the first two years of the deal. By year three will have been sixty seven million. He's going to make a lot of money. Are we all celebrating? Is anybody not celebrating? You know what? Uh, as someone who manages the TST Facebook page, uh, every every Aaron Donald post for the last 18 months, two years, uh, there's always been a few detractors. It seemed as it went on later through the summer last year, people were, you know, people, oh, we just need there to get were. here. But there's always, there's always a couple of guys who are like, you know, 
F that guy, it's greedy, whatever. And then, you know, more recently, as we started hearing news, whatever, it's greedy, greedy. I haven't heard anything negative from even my diehard haters uh, in that respect. I don't think, I don't think I've seen a negative comment out there. I think everyone's just, it's, it's like everyone's birthday today. We all, we all get to open a big fat 99 present. And uh, I don't know, have you seen anything out there where people are just, other than other teams' fans, uh, I, I haven't seen any Rams people really upset about this. You heard anything, yeah, Joe? You're, in the, you're a radio talking. guy. What, what, what are you hearing? You know, I think they're just talking numbers. I mean, I, I, it feels like it's interesting when you really put these numbers next to each other. Um, you really got a big talk girly deal look kind of paltry. Yep. In, 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 in comparison. Um, As it should. But the, yeah, I, I think I think my sister is, I would go like, I was like, this is great and everything, but man, I got to go to training camp next year. You know? Like, yeah. There's a guy who has been able to skip it the past few years, and I almost wonder, you know, it, ha, did, did CAA have the deal pretty much locked and loaded in June, but they were like, and let's just kind of Google over some small stuff for the next couple months so, you know, Aaron could kind of hang out in Pittsburgh and do his, his night training and not have to, you know, bake in the heat over in, over in Irvine. Um, that's probably not true, but I think there's something to be said about the fact that it seemed like this felt like a lot of posturing with um, the front office of the Rams and – you know the, the, the you know the, the agency and it, it, it's taken so long that I think now today it just feels like you know just just it just feels like this ordeal is finally over. So a lot of people I think are just relieved. It's just like oh we we can just talk about regular season football now. We don't have to talk about oh you're gonna miss week one. You're gonna do this. What's going on? It's just you know just to see him at the train you know at the facility today in his practice jersey, you're just like, yes, this is what supposed, it's supposed to be. Now it could just be football and less talking about salary cap negotiations and numbers and how it's all going to work. Because, you know, math is boring, guys. Math sucks. <laughs> math is boring. Nobody really likes math. Um, no I do wonder, what, would anybody have a problem if there was language in his contract that said he was not going to participate in training camp? Like, he could attend and he'll work out, and he'll stay in absolutely phenomenal shape. But when it's time to do drills and actually do any kind of contact, Aaron Donald will sit in a platinum-plated chair next to the fans and watch. <laughs> Did anybody have a problem? Give him his own version of, like, a Pope mobile. Where it's just a yeah, you know what I mean? You know what I think he's going to have yeah. a problem with that? Is uh, Michael Rockers and the and Sue. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think they might be a little bit like, wait a minute. You know, like, <laughs> did, you, did you see his little mini – Presser, not really a press, but he talked. He spoke to the press for a bit. Did you, did you guys watch any of that today? Or Saw it. We got the transcript for people that haven't seen it. We got the transcript and the video yeah. up on the site, so check it out. Someone, uh, yeah, someone the, in the press asked him about that and asked him about camp and whatever. And, you know, you glad to miss it? And he said, you know, uh, he was he was kind of missing being out there with his brothers. He said because you 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 on the one half you get to miss all the physical side and the grind or whatever. He said, but you don't get the makeup. You can knock the rest off in a couple of days and get back going as long as you work hard like he's doing. He said, but the stuff you can't get back is that you can't you can't get that camaraderie in the building with some of the new yeah. teammates and, and that locker room stuff. And he kind of mentioned uh, mentioned he missed that a little bit. 
Yeah, here's the quote. It's uh, He was asked if he worked into the contract that he won't have to go through training camp for the next six years. He laughed and said, no, you don't want to miss things like that because you miss the chemistry with your players and you miss that brotherhood that you've got with your guys. So like I said, it's not something I wanted to do, but at the end of the day, I just had to make a business decision. And like I said, it's done and over with now, but I'm happy. He's a professional. And what was interesting about it was when he was talking about how his parents could retire and it really yeah. kind of brought home to me the idea of security with these guys. You know, like he's 27 years old. He's been making what sounds like an enormous amount of money to a regular person. But to him, he's still thinking like, hey, I'm only like one catastrophic knee away from not being able to pay for everybody in my orbit, you know, not to support them. You know, cause that's like a big deal. For a guy like him to be able to be like, everybody, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, sure. You know, I can kind of put you money. If you're making six, seven, eight million dollars a year, that sounds like a number. Like, yeah, that's, you know, you're great. But you can't really, you can't support 15, 20 people on, on right. that salary these days, which sounds insane. But, um, you know, you need 20 million for that. Again, Math is the worst, so I could totally be wrong on that. But it was just interesting to hear him kind of say that, that kind of like, okay, his, his, his security now is, 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 is intact. And I, I think these guys, when they're, when they're doing these franchise tags, I think the idea of Aaron Donald being on a franchise tag is, sounds in one way great because, you know, they can make like a, you know, a huge amount of money in one year, but they don't, they don't have that guaranteed money. So I think probably what made him – happy is just getting that big number of of guaranteed money. And I feel good about him getting it because he's a guy that doesn't have injury issues. He's a guy that is you know, doesn't have a personality that we're like, oh, what if he gets weird in a couple of years and you know starts you know at, you know, playing lazy or whatever. It just feels like no, this is the exact guy that you feel okay with giving guaranteed money. Yeah. And if so, you look at the structure of the contract, he's not going to get cut before 2022 uh there's too much dead money allotted to the contract 50 million this year 41 million next year not in terms of what they'll pay him but what the dead money is again with the uh, salary cap 24 million in 2020 you look at you you can't just show up and unmute yourself good lord it's my out of your store everybody um 24 million dead money in 2020 16 million in 2021 and 8 million Dead money in 2022. If there's a cut year, it'd be 2023 or 2024. Myson, what did you think about the contract, man? Did you have any gripes, any complaints whatsoever? Oh, uh, you know, I didn't have no complaint. You know, I'm always pro player, side with the player, always. Personally, I just look at the contract and I say it's well deserved. I mean, I don't have, I don't see how anyone could have an issue with it when you're talking about a generational talent. Like that, that's, that term is probably used, overused. But it's true with him. Like, how many Aaron Donalds have we seen in our lives? <laughs> you know, and when you look at the when you look at the um, the way that the cap space is, especially in recent years, it's no longer going up four million, five million. It's making fifteen, twelve million dollar jumps a year now. So it makes sense to me, especially when you think about the fact that Aaron Rodgers, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, Kirk Cousins, what they're doing with the quarterback market the quarterback dollar is no longer $20 million, no longer $22 million. So when people say, oh, he's getting paid like a quarterback, no, he's not. He's getting paid like the next wave of players 
always get paid when quarterbacks move on. The next that dollar amount becomes that next wave. It doesn't stay what it was. You know, it's just how it always been. And Aaron Donald just was the first to do it with this one. So I'm okay with it. I love the deal. I'm happy that it's six years. That was the only thing I thought. Uh, the the annual average is about what I expected. Uh, the guaranteed is probably about ten million more than what I was thinking it'd be, but. The years is what was a surprise to me. I thought it would be like four years, but I'm perfectly okay with it. So, I'm good. I love the deal. The only thing I guess I was surprised, and it's not even really surprised by, I I guess the only thing I was confused by is what the hell took so long. And I don't mean that in a sense of, like, griping about it. I mean, we got it done. We got him locked up. Great. This is, you know, the end defines the means. But it's one of those things where if you had come to the table – and said that this was the deal a year ago, we could have had this shit wrapped up by July 4th last year. Like, I, 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 it's one of those things where I'm not really sure what the negotiations were. Obviously, they've been negotiating this whole time. But it feels like we could have gotten this wrapped up a long time ago. What's that say to expectations of what we all thought this deal was going to be? Because I'm with you on that. I thought, you know what? This is big, and let's not let's not try to underscore how big this deal really is, but we were all led to believe that, you know, we're, we're talking like crazy, like $30 million APA. I mean, it, this is, this is doable. And so, yeah, why the heck, why did it take two years to get this uh-huh. done? Why didn't we, why didn't we fix this after the last time it didn't work? Uh, I, I'm with you there. It, it seemed like it went on and but on and on and it not necessarily just drug on. Do you think that the renegotiation of the, go ahead. I was just going to say the renegotiation of the contract with Andrew Whitworth and Robert Woods, was that something that was uh, maybe an obstacle difficult for them to maneuver, or do you think that was something that was no. just one of the last steps of the thing, no problem, it just happened? Or do you think that took a while for that to get massaged into no, reality? No, uh, because those things don't typically line up perfectly to the time and it's just right to where you're going to get the player in you know, time. I believe that they already agreed to restructure, but they weren't going to do it until Aaron Donald agreed to his contract. Um, when it, I, I, For one, I never thought it was $30 million a year. Or I never thought it was going to be more than 24 I said 22 um, a couple times. 22 was kind of where my head was at, but I never said 20, more than 24 I think when you were talking about resetting the market, especially the way that the market was just reset with this contract. You're talking a non-QB, and the next, other than Odell's contract, the next highest paid was Antonio Brown at 18. So I never, I never thought it was going to be 30 or anything like that. It's just the fact that it was resetting the market, and it was resetting the market at, at a $4 million difference. So that's, I think that's what it was. And, yeah, you say, oh, it's $4 million a year, and, yeah, they could do that, but it's really, it's really the, a business. You know, the owners don't want to give up that extra money. <laughs> That's all it comes down to. At the end of the day, you can get, the player can play hardball like Aaron Donald did, and you're going to eventually have to cave because of who the player is. Yeah, it's one of those things where when we talk, like you were talking about the idea that he's getting paid like a quarterback or, or just the idea that he's getting this record-setting deal, he's the best defensive player in the game. Like this is, this is what – if you want to define – the best non-quarterback in football, you have to pay him the best non-quarterback contract in the league. That's just the way it's got to go. I don't know. It just seems rational. The, the, the only reason I mentioned that is something that I was surprised by was I felt the more and more that it dragged on, 
we were going to see a deal that kind of didn't make sense for one side that maybe had some kind of, you know, hidden bonuses or some kind of stuff that made it seem like it was a Rams friendly deal that had some stuff stuck in there to support Aaron Donald or just a ridiculous average per year that would have seen him easy to cut in four years. But this just seems like the deal that it was always supposed to be that, you know, paid him like the best player in football. That's not a quarterback that he is. And, you know, didn't really threaten like you laid out in that piece, Myson, the, the stability of the organization to continue to sign people and be competitive. This is just, you know, if you had, if you had said what was the best situation for everybody involved a year ago, I would have said it would have looked something like this. And so I just, it was kind of strange that it took us all the way to this point to get this close to week one football in 2018, which was what I talked about when I was feeling comfortable heading towards Yes Island was the idea that uh, it was going to be something like this if both sides were being sane. And it sounds like that's what happened. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, what else? We got uh, any any other thoughts on the Aaron Donald deal before we move on? I love the uh, deal. The deal was perfect. <laughs> go ahead, did, go ahead, Bob. Did you, did you see he he bought himself a little present already? Uh, I did. I saw that car. Uh, I don't even know what that is. A Romero. Uh, a Camaro Cam- Romero. It's a all electric sports car. You know, starting at one hundred and thirty k. I've never yeah. heard of this. A Rivero. Yeah, it's uh, he's it's, so yeah. LA already. <laughs> Pittsburgh. See you later, Aaron Donald. So you know, Los Angeles now. Mom and Dad don't have to work anymore, but someone's gonna get his too. So yeah, good on you, Aaron Donald. Good on you. I've never even heard of it. Good Do for you, him, man. Just, go ahead. Hey, I I got a question just about um, as far as just like Los Angeles and just like star power with Aaron Donald. Do you th- I mean, he doesn't seem the, like the type of guy that is going to be going to clubs and, you know, opening, you know, open up bars with his name on it or anything like that. He's a pretty salt of the earth kind of football guy. And I wonder yeah, if he already, he already really bar. even knows who he is as far as like a football player. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like on the new stadium, are, are you going to put a huge banner on the side of the thing with his with him on it, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're going to publicize this guy because in one way he is the face of the team, but it still feels like Todd Gurley is the yeah. guy that's and on Jared. the last head of the website. And you know? Jared, yeah. And, you, might, you might put a big picture of him on the side of the new stadium, but it comes in third behind Todd Gurley and Jared Goff for sure. Oh, and, yeah, and, right. and, and that's different. I mean, that's just PR and that's just – you know, yeah. g- getting people to understand who the Rams are. But really, when it comes down to um, football and not just casual fans understanding what football is, I mean, the the, the, the beating heart of this team is, is Aaron Donald. Got to be. Yeah, you got to think so. And I, I think you saw that when you, you saw a lot of the reactions on Instagram of a lot of the other players who were really oh, yeah. supportive and excited Todd, to see him get paid. Todd Gurley had uh, put the post up with his arms out, happy, smiling, saying your reaction when you're uh, the best, your be- the best player on your team returns. So he, it's not. I don't even think it's a discussion amongst his uh, teammates. You know, they all look at him and respect him as the best player on the team. Yeah, and I think you got that from around the league as well, right? I mean, if you look, yeah, at, for sure. Look at some of those posts from from other players around the league. I mean, when one guy gets paid, they all get paid sooner or later. If you know, your your contract yeah. comes up. I just keep raising that ceiling. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was, and I don't think I even saw anyone, you know, tweet something negative about it. I saw 
Um, no, no. Bruce Irvin, Bruce, Bruce Irvin, uh, you know, tweet about you know Mac being an X, but nothing about you know you know why why did he get this cash? Everyone super supportive, and now they're just, I think the only side story I saw all day was people pointing towards Cleo Mac. Yeah, and I th- yeah. that yeah. was one of the interesting things. Thing never. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was gonna say one thing. One thing you'll never see is the players hate on any player getting paid. You will never see that. Yeah. <laughs> it is never going to happen because it's good news for everybody anytime somebody gets an extension. Yeah, and right. that was another good point, Robbo, was you mentioned the Khalil Mack situation. A lot of people thought it was going to be something where Donald's camp wanted to see what Khalil Mack got and then add 5%. They didn't have to do that because they could just make him the highest paid. And I think one of the things that's interesting in terms of the support and everything is and being that kind of a professional is that nobody has complained about Aaron Donald missing preseason or training camp because he's Aaron Donald. He missed all of last year, and he went out and won Defensive Player of the Year. So Aaron Donald wants to sit out training camp in the preseason. Aaron Donald. You, you see the, how he's welcomed by his teammates. The Rams tweeted a bunch of uh, you know videos and things out. You know him walking out there, and who's the first one to greet him? Michael Brockers. We complete. Michael now. Brock. We complete. And Dominican I, I saw that. And then on, on the side, he's he's like, I missed your ass. I mean. That, Everyone's happy. D-line looks stupid good. Um, players who maybe didn't look stupid good uh, were some of the reserves in our final preseason game. Uh, major loss to the New Orleans Saints. Not the end of the world because a lot of the snaps in that game were uh, taken by guys who sadly won't be on the team at this time tomorrow evening. Uh, 53-man roster cuts coming at 4 p.m. New York time, league office time, 1 p.m. Los Angeles Rams headquarters time. Uh, the Saints game in and of itself, what do you guys think? It wasn't uh, a memorable one. It's a fourth preseason game. The takeaways probably aren't all that important, but obviously it didn't uh, feel good to end the preseason on that. My first and biggest thought watching that was, uh, does Sean Payton still think Greg Williams is associated with this team? Who does that? Like, okay, I get it. You can be an aggressive guy. You can have a big ego. Who challenges a call in a twenty-eight to nothing game? Hey, it's like, practice. It's practice. You got you got to work on your challenge. You got to work on everything. You got to work on your trolling yeah. skills. That was the one I didn't get. You challenge in a play in a fourth fourth quarter. Come he, on, he's probably still mad because he probably still mad because of that loss. Because he lost it, I know. <laughs> so, okay. he, he's still mad. He ain't let it go. But you know what? I know. You know what? That's what makes that's what makes him a champion. Maybe. <laughs> Don't let shit go. Maybe. It's just one of those things where I'm cool. I I totally understand not letting it go. But you know, the time to not let it go is week nine when we see you again, not preseason week four. <laughs> hey, come on, we got we got yeah. things to do. We got time to spend with loved ones, but. At least we got through it. I don't know, man. There wasn't a lot to take away that was really all that enjoyable. There were some pretty poor performances um, all around. Reinforce the quarterback depth issue. Obviously, we started with Brandon Allen. You skip Sean Mannion. You skip a lot of that offensive line depth and go straight to the bottom of the roster. What are you going to say? Man? It's, the, the Rams are – what this game showed me is what it showed me in the first game, but it kind of re- reaffirmed that, that the Rams' depth – in certain areas, is a major problem outside of quarterback. It's not just quarterback. Yeah, it's got issues. You know, so it's got issues. It's definitely some issues. You know, you, you you don't want anyone getting hurt ever, but you really don't want anyone getting hurt right now because there is some definite holes. It's very clear that there's some holes. <laughs> I just I don't believe that uh, 
the Rams should should go through this waiver wire period and not be very active. I believe that they should definitely look at quarterback. They should look at some outside linebackers. They should look at some safeties, and they should probably definitely peek their nose in at some uh, some offensive linemen. It's just that simple. There, there's some um, some depth issues, and if we have an injury or anyone misses any sort of extended period of time in any of those spots, it's going to be a problem. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about that. Uh, I really can't comment too much on coaching because – Sean McVay, he kept it about as vanilla as possible uh, yeah. all preseason. My only issue is, you know, not playing the quarterback. Um, that's just – you don't see that often, uh, if ever, where the quarterback gets no reps in the preseason because you want the quarterback to knock that rust off. You want him to get rhythm because it's a rhythm position. And to not see your starting quarterback when he's not hurt. If he's hurt, that's one thing. But typically, I can't really think of a quarterback that looks healthy no matter what his status is as far as level of play, player that d- didn't take at least one pass attempt in the preseason. I've seen mm. every single quarterback do it. Except this, is a, this is a first for me. So I'm nervous. I want to see what it's going to look like. I'm worried about being uh, rusty in his showing. So we'll my, see. My, but. My, did uh, did Tom Brady take any snaps in the preseason? Only the right guard. Whoever, whoever started for Jamon Brown, it was going to be the only one who's taken any preseason snaps. I mean, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, who the highest-paid player in the league, right? He's taking snaps in preseason. I'm not sure yeah. that Jared Goff has gotten to that point where he doesn't need no preseason. I don't care what yeah, Twitter yeah, right? says. I don't care if my friends on Facebook, the guys on Reddit who I deal with, everyone has just brushed this, uh, the idea that your entire offense can sit out outside of Jamon Brown, who's going to sit the first couple of weeks, uh, and not have to even try to go out there and play some vanilla ball Oh, don't worry about it. We got it. One of you guys is, is Brendan Cook, so you're up to speed. We, you know, we played two uh, practice sessions against the Ravens, and they dominated those. They got their ass kicked in the game, but you know, they dominated those, pre- those, those practice sessions. And uh, you know, they play each other, and their defense is great, so that's, that's all they need. You cannot, you cannot replicate game speed when you're going three-quarter and not touching the quarterback, Right. You have a joint press succession with, with the Ravens, and, yeah, you're going all out, but you aren't going as hard as you can against a quarterback like you would in a game. So maybe the rush doesn't get there, and he's still able to throw the ball when maybe he wouldn't in a game. I don't think you can, you can totally replace that, and uh, that's my biggest concern going in. Now, as I said earlier to uh, some other people, they can come out and put 52 on the Raiders, and you know that my point is moot and stupid, and, and next year half the league isn't playing their offense in the preseason. But to this date, <laughs> well, nobody in the history of the game has done this, including the best guys ever. So I'm a little yeah. concerned. I'm a little concerned. It doesn't, it doesn't make your point moot. That was a, why I wrote that article about the idea of how radical this is of the decision. It's not whether or not it's the right or wrong decision. It's that nobody does this. What, Ten of the 11 starters on offense will have taken zero preseason snaps. That's a radical radical decision to take you you can you can agree with it or disagree with it there's fair arguments on both sides but this isn't an argument that we really ever had when 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 trent green got injured when sam bradford got injured nobody said the next year hey sit the entire offense out of fear for getting injured nobody said that that was a crazy crazy idea and i know we love sean mcveigh everybody's in for mcveigh right now and i totally get that but that was such a ridiculous idea that even after we lost quarterbacks to ACL injuries, nobody suggested that we should sit the entire offense. That's how crazy this is. You know, That's how radical this is. 
Well, you know what, Joe? It, I think it's like, an interesting it's like, point. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, with uh, Todd Gurley has been very vocal about um, yeah. preseason games and not wanting to be part of it. And he is a leader on this team. And I wonder who much of him being vocal about this um, got, got into some of those brains. Because, what? yes, the, the other part of it that we're, where I feel like I kind of like it is, is we talk about last year, defensive line just being like if something bad happens to these guys. And this year we see, well, you know what, the depth on the O-line and the depth you're talking about, uh, Rob, with the safeties and the outside, you know, outside linebackers, it's also very thin. That they're like, okay, we've got to see these guys play. We've got to put them out there. And obviously we don't know if this is going to work. There's, there's, there's no way of knowing if this radical approach is going to work until we see it happen. Right. But in one way, <clears throat> I think this is a team to try it with because sure. – it's so top heavy with stars, and you have you have guys like you know these. They're just at, even though they're very young, there's also just this this understanding that 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 that, that they've bought into it, and so you're like, okay, well, because you know, let's let's try it because you know the 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 idea if Whitworth or any of these guys go down, it's such a different team. And sure, and it, I think it's. Yeah, that's that's true. Like I don't disagree with that at all. The thing is, two things actually. One, you cannot play this game scared. <laughs> and because of, we're talking about offense, if you ever if you've ever uh, been to an NFL training camp, any training camp for that matter, it doesn't have to be NFL. If you ever been to a training camp, the beginning of training camp when everyone first get back, you first get in your pads, the defense always kicks the offense ass. In fact, that was something that was highlighted at the beginning of training camp this year where the Rams offense had to run the gassers and Sean McVay ran with them because they lost to the defense in certain situations in practice early on in camp. That's every year. The reason for that is because it's easier to get into a groove on defense than it is offense because offense is so much timing and rhythm and so many things like that. When you don't get those game reps in, you start the season off very sloppy, <laughs> especially as a unit. It's one thing to have one player miss, a few players here, but when you don't have anyone, especially your quarterback, like I said, this has never been done. I've been digging, 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 trying to find an example. That's the point. It does not happen, okay? And there's a reason it doesn't happen, because you have to get your quarterback into rhythm. Now, Ty Gurley, you know, I mentioned this in the article I posted today. Ty Gurley, he's talking to he, – he, he was very vocal about it, and that's fine. I say this all the time. I've said this since I was a kid, in fact. That's fine for players who have it on lock, but the preseason is very important. <laughs> you know, if you have your position on lock and running backs sit out all the time, that's nothing new. Running backs sit out all the time. But the reason running backs sit out all the time is because just like a defense, it's easier to get into your groove at running back than it is quarterback. You don't just walk on the field and just be hot <laughs> as a quarterback. It just doesn't happen. Even Tom Brady isn't just about to walk on the field and just throw lasers if he hasn't had any game-type reps. You have to have that to develop that rhythm, to get back into your flow, to get that chemistry with the receivers. It, it doesn't. Every coach, you think about all these legendary coaches that have ever coached, no one's ever done it. <laughs> you know, and that's, the, that's what sticks out about this because you're talking exactly. about a guy who's only played, only played two years one of them was shit piss poor, and the other was pretty good. It wasn't even amazing. It was just pretty good, you know. And you're telling me this is going to be the first person to ever try this? I don't know. <laughs> you know it's crazy. Me, you know, so. <laughs> the key Goff is just to make has, sure. 
he, Go he ahead, Ralph. Have, but, I, I mean, to, to that point, is he, he must have a couple four-week clovers stuck up his ass somewhere because for a guy going into really his second year as a starter, that first year, a couple of games, it was garbage, whatever, I'll wash it. Anyway, new guy, we'll count year one was last year, this is year two. He has gotten the biggest pass out of any second-year starter I can Absolutely. think of. You, you don't even talk about Jared Goff when you talk about the Rams. He's about number nine or ten on the list. He hasn't. You, you haven't seen him. We haven't seen him do anything. You have to talk, you know, he'll come out and talk, whatever. But, I mean, he has gotten the biggest pass for the last nine months out of anyone I can remember in modern football as far as his position. Credit the Rams for that. They have definitely created a buffer zone to insulate him from that kind of attention and pressure and that kind of thing that most quarterback, look at what Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota are facing going into this year. Jared Goff's not dealing with that. And whether it's because the Aaron Donald signing, the other contract extensions, the major trades they've done, they have taken the spotlight away from Jared Goff in a major way, and they deserve some credit for that. I just want to make sure that we say this because I tried to articulate this in the article and some people still kind of misunderstood it. There are two aspects to, to the idea of the decision not to play guys. One, whether or not you agree with it. And two, how unusual it is. Those are two separate things. You can acknowledge it's unusual and agree with it. You can acknowledge it's unusual and disagree with it. What you can't do is act like it's not unusual. There was a commenter on Reddit that, that you saw, Rob, freaking out about yeah. the idea that I said it's radical. Of course it's radical. Nobody's ever done this, man. Nobody's, and not only has anybody done this, nobody has suggested it. You were just talking about the idea of Jared Goff in 2017. Imagine a year ago, imagine a year ago, Jared Goff coming off of 0-7 season, looking horrible as a rookie. Sean McVay taking over this team and saying, you know what, I'm going to sit him the entire preseason because I don't want him to get hurt. People would have freaked the fuck out. There wouldn't have been a single person that would have said, no, that totally makes sense. I totally get behind this. There wouldn't have been a single fan that does it. The main reason, the main reason that people are uncomfortable acknowledging how radical it is, is because they just want to support Sean McVay. They just want to get whatever he does, he touches everything and it turns to gold. Ah, touch me, McVay. And I get it that he's doing a great job, and I, I totally understand that aspect. But of agreeing, agreeing and disagreeing with this idea is different than just acknowledging that this doesn't happen. Nobody does this. We've never done this. Nobody's advocated. Nobody's ever said to sit the entire offense for a preseason. It's totally radical. And who's 1B in this conversation? One Shane Waldron, <laughs> right? Sure. New, new passing game coordinator, Matt LaFleur leaves. You know, he, he has to have some credit in what they did last year. He's not here now. you got a new guy. Uh, you know, it's all McVay's show, but he still has a job, and he's still instrumental in what's going on there. And from what I've seen so far from the passing game, it sucks. Now, you could say that Sean Mannion <laughs> and Brian Allen, but Mannion was better last summer than he was this summer. That's crazy. Well, crazy and, times. And lots, it, lots of and, and you know, question thing marks. And another too is about – we talk about uh, Jared Goff and you're saying you put him in a protective bubble and, and people aren't talking about him. And, the, yes, the organization has done a good job, but also I think one of the big reasons why – people aren't as worried about John, uh, Jared Goff right now, it's because of how he played last year. I think sure. that, again, was also unprecedented. I think yeah. you talk about how, how, how it's such a big deal about playing in the preseason, and I totally agree, and I'm not saying that it's not something that's never happened, but also the fact that his bounce back was almost to that level of, 
of, of being unprecedented. That it was now bouncy. we have this guy that that there's a bouncy bounce back. He's actually, yeah, and he's alive, and he's like a real player. And he's not a stiff. He's not a bust. We're not gonna, you know, figure out who we're gonna get next, and you know, find out how we're gonna get a draft pick to get our quarterback. So, with that being said. I am worried about Jared Goff on Monday Night Football. I think if there's ever going to be – if you have Jared Goff on fantasy football and you have another good starting quarterback, I would start the other quarterback because if he's going to have a bad game this year, I would just put my money on his bad game being the first game of the season, the first time he's going to be throwing to Brandon Cooks and all these guys in a real game that, you know, has 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 just, you know, the speed of the game, you know, I was going to say a game that matters because I don't really think preseason matters that much, but it still has that speed. So it's going to be, I think, a lot of nail-biting with Rams fans. And I think even the Rams organization and Sean, Sean McVay, I think everyone's going to be really worried to see how this is going to play out. I think that's really exciting also in a way. Did you talk about how, yes, it's never been done, but also what if it works? And I think yeah. there's something fun and revolutionary about that of like, oh, well, what if sure. they, you know, what went against the grain because you can't do something great without, you know, doing something that has never been done. So maybe, maybe it's stupid and maybe it's something that's just going to be a shit show and they just get rolled against the Raiders. Um, but I think we're just, you know, that really makes that game extremely intriguing for me. I'm just for sure. on pins and needles to see what's going to happen on that game. Sometimes it's stupid good. Stupid can be good. Um, the the, the yeah. one thing I'll say to wrap up this discussion on the ideas, just uh, as novel as it is, I, I, I'm I'm comfortable with it. But th- there's there's a lot of logical dissonance from a lot of fans. Uh, think about like Sammy Watkins, right? What did a lot of people say about Sammy Watkins? That he came in too late to the organization to really acclimate to Jared Goff. Well, he had a lot more snaps in the preseason than Brandon Cooks did. And so that if we're, if we're talking about the value of preseason snaps, Sammy Watkins got a That's lot, a good point. or at, at, at least a lot. He, he got a lot more than Brandon Cooks did. And Brandon Brandon Cooks' first game speed snap with Jared Goff is going to be on Monday Night Football. Uh, that I don't know, I don't know what to say about that except, well, let's just dunk our head in the water and see what the hell we pull out. Um, in terms of the rest of the offense, you know, you got. You got an offensive line that's got to be in sync that maybe didn't have its best game against the Falcons to end last season. You got a passing timing issue that's got to be on point. Uh, you're going to have to rely on because you know Oakland sure as hell is going to try to key down on Todd Gurley. It's going to be interesting, man. We'll see. But uh, it's been an interesting preseason, nonetheless, even without the offense. We got a little roundtable issue here talking about player of the preseason. Joey, I think uh, you're an absolute. Oh, well, I, I want to leave you last because I don't know who you're going. <laughs> Because we didn't get you on the run sheet, Joey. <laughs> you start at the top. Who's your uh, player of the preseason? Well, it's, it, it has to be the um, the most obvious um, choice, but I'll just uh, I'll just uh, take him. Is John Kelly, and I think that he Ooh. was the most entertaining thing to watch in the preseason. Which I felt like it, watching Rams games, it was it was a little bit anticlimactic because you know all of the Rams are wearing t-shirts on the sidelines, but. John Kelly almost makes me feel like, wow, man, I, I, I want this guy to make the team and be a star and, and, and make some plays because he's just 
he's fun to watch. I mean, he just feels like a video game character. You know, that that 20-yard run where he's just spinning and bouncing like a pinball, it was just like, yeah, this is awesome. This is fun. Is he going against twos or threes? Yeah, probably. And I'm not saying that he's going to jump in in the regular season and get 15 uh, touches, but it just it just for the preseason, I think he was fun to watch, and I think he's a guy that we've talked about exhaustively in the past couple of weeks. So I'm not going to try to say, you know, he's, 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 he's better, you know, that, that, you know, he should be RB two and get a lot of touches that Gurley should be getting, but it just was just nice to see someone with a pulse out there. You know, that's all. Uh, <laughs> just, every, he was just making some plays and not screwing up. And that was nice. Every time, every time he broke one off, I know Myson could feel me, the running back hater, over there looking at late day three running back, looking like a stud and thinking about how much damn draft picks we spent on running backs in the last six years. Uh, uh, I turned every, into time run, every time he broke a run, I just took my middle finger and put it in the air. Like, this one's for you, Joe. Wherever the hell you are, this is for you. You can get so much talent from running backs on day three. Who'd you have, Robbo? Who's your player of the preseason? I'm going to go another offensive player. I wanted to go, you know, defense, but I have a feeling who I think Myerson might take, so I'll leave that man to him. Oh, you know it. I left him for you, buddy. I'm going to go Big Joe Noteboom, the Rams' top draft pick. Kaboom! was a a third-round pick out of TCU. His uh, top pick, his his uh, you know knock. I wouldn't say knock, but his 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 scouting report coming out was he a little more polished in the passing game than he was in the run game. But I thought the man played his ass off. Uh, didn't allow pressure. Opened up holes for Kelly. Uh, played up and down the line. I think he played everywhere but center. Solid. You didn't hear his name called once, and which is what you want from a guy. Showed he could play the left side. Showed he could play the right side. Played, you know, uh, you know, pass, pass pro, run blocking. Uh, Aaron Cromer knows the guys he wants. He identifies them. So hats off to Les for listening to the coaches and going to his staff, going out and finding the types of players he wants, going and realizing that they can get this guy, bring him in, and he looks like a solid contributor. Now, I hope I don't see him play all year long because that mean, would mean bad things for Rob Havenstein or, or Staffold or uh, maybe Whitworth. But he this year, what he showed, it looks like he belongs and he could be a you know a part of this team moving forward. So I'm going to go Big Joe. I'll say this about Joe Noteboom: it's almost as much about what we said about his predecessors. Think about all the Rams offensive linemen that we've drafted over the last four or five years. Uh, you don't you disrespect Arnold Danell? Hey, go back Cody Wilson. There is like Voldemort. There's a name that should never be mentioned. Voldemort. Only thing I'll say is he's a former. He's a former number two overall pick, and his name shall not be said. Voldemort. <laughs> we you talk about we Hank Pooter? The Hank Pooter no, novels. I love those movies. Oh, that was a good one, my son. Um, I'm going to go with Marty <laughs> Christian. He's he's not somebody unlike John Kelly and Joseph Noteboom, who was rookies we hadn't seen, and I was really excited for. Margie Christian, I thought, had a really, really solid preseason for a guy that I wasn't expecting much out of. and wasn't really caring whether or not I saw any improvement from him. He's one of those guys. I know there's always this feeling from a lot of the fan base that every player gets better every year. It's kind of like the Madden effect where you assume that every player is going to get better. Oh, Greg Robinson's got to get better. It's his third year in the league. Oh, Tavon Austin has to get better. 
this is year number four, and every player gets better every year. That's just not how it works. And for somebody like Marquis Christian, as a defender, obviously that's different than a special teams contribution. That was somebody that certainly looked like he did a lot better uh, this year in diagnosing some things out of the back. Obviously, a lot of people would point to Nate Colley as the safety that they liked, but Christian was somebody that I didn't have a lot of expectations for that I thought played well above the board that I was expecting for him. All right, Myson. All right, Voldemont, or whatever you just called him. You got the floor. <laughs> We've taken a lot of the obvious ones away. Who do you have for your player of the preview? I mean, you all are still 100% wrong. And, and and now I know that no one read no one read what I posted today. I'm hurt, you guys. I'm really hurt. Yeah, I, Michael, told you, I told Michael you I was going to leave this wrong on you. I was going to leave it for you. Yo, was waiting for that. He was waiting for that. Shot it's Michael five. Kaiser. It's, it's obviously Michael Ooh. Kaiser. Like, Michael Kaiser was one of the draft steals. I, I said this from day one. I said it actually in the scouting report that he would be a later round pick and that he'd be a steal. He is a draft steal. Micah Kaiser is a rare type of linebacker because you don't really find middle linebackers that can create pressure from the middle linebacker position the way he does. In fact, the only one that really comes to mind that consistently did it in his career is Ray Lewis, who was the only player to have 50 interceptions or 50 uh, sacks and 20 interceptions. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) You know, it's not something that's common that you come across. Micah Kaiser is that type of player. He got plenty of pressure. He got sacks. He got tackles for loss, 26, 26 sacks, which is actually tied for third most in the NFL preseason. He did it in nine quarters, guys, nine quarters. Michael Kaiser is a tackling machine. He was a tackling machine in college. He's a tackling machine still. He can create pressure. He's in the backfield, and he's not as bad as they tried to make him seem in coverage. He's, he, he had a couple of deflections. He's not a terrible coverage guy. He's just not a great one. Michael Kaiser is a really, really – all-around linebacker, and he proved it here in the preseason. He was, in my personal opinion, he was the best non-starting linebacker in the NFL this preseason. He played great. Michael he's Kaiser, one of those guys. He's one of those guys that I almost feel like uh, I didn't look at missed tackles for the preseason, but I feel like that's something where he is not going to rack up stats. Where he may, he's not the Correct. most athletic guy, but for what his role is, he's very good and he's incredibly technically sound. He's a, he's a very much an anti-Alec Ogletree, where he does – Alec Ogletree has a much more expanded oh, skill yeah, set. Micah Kaiser is much smaller. But what Micah Kaiser does, he does really well, man. So I'm really excited. Assuming he makes the 53-man roster, we may not see a ton oh, of him. I still think – he should. And I still think it's going to be Mark Barron and for whatever four linebacker sets, probably Corey Littleton next to him, maybe Rameek Wilson. But I'm definitely excited to have him on the damn roster, that's for sure. He reminds you of another guy who wore 59 for the Rams years ago. Maybe I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer like that guy, but you know, early on, just a surprise. And well, this guy, he can play ball in the middle. Oh yeah, he's a baller. Like yeah. you just, there's just, there's some guys that you just look at and you say this guy's a football player. And you know, everyone talks about his athleticism. Look, I've seen way less athletic linebackers. You know, you you look at um, Zach Zach uh, Taylor. Is that his name? What's his last Thomas. name? Taylor. Thomas. Thomas, Jack. Zach Thomas, thank you. I was like, that didn't sound right. I, I think I was thinking of his uh his the, the guy on his right side, uh whatever. <laughs> but Jason, Jason I Taylor. forgot the other Taylor from the Dolphins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Zach Taylor. Thomas. Zach Thomas uh yeah, Jason Taylor. Zach Thomas was uh the one of the most unathletic <laughs> short littles 
ball of muscle linebackers you'll ever see, but man, could he play? And <laughs> could he play really, really well and play for a really long time? I think that's what Michael Kaiser brings. I think Michael Kaiser, not saying that he'll produce the way that Zach Thomas did. Zach Thomas was low key one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He didn't get credited with it as much as he should have, but during his time, he was one of the best. I'm not going to say that Michael Kaiser would be there, even though I think he has that potential. Uh, I do think that Michael Kaiser is a linebacker that you can plug in and he'll play for 10 years. I do believe that. So I, th- I think the Rams got a steal in him. Um, you don't you don't really come across uh, guys who just know how to find the football and know what to do when they get there as as or as easily as the Rams just did by just kind of stumbling across him as late as they did. So I, I love I love Michael Kaiser. I think he's going to be a baller for years. Uh, Next Monday, a week and three days from this exact point in time, right around now, I guess about 20 minutes ago, the Rams will be kicking off against the Oakland Raiders to begin week one of the regular season with the highest expectations for the franchise in a decade and a half. Woo! Here we go. We finally made it. It's going down. It needs to happen. What the hell's going on in this game? What, what, What are you guys looking at? for the Oakland Raiders. Obviously we talked about the idea of sitting the offense. That first offensive possession is going to be balls to the wall. I, I, I don't know that I've been more nervous, maybe outside of the postseason game last year, but I don't know that I've been more nervous for a kickoff. Than this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, just for the, you know, what we mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, the unknown. I mean, can they, can they, is it, is McVay's magic dust going to be there and they don't have to you know play it all in the preseason and be great and, come out and put it on them. Uh, there's just a lot going into this, you know, the McVay Gruden matchup. Um, How many times uh, do you think they're going to mention it? Over, under, uh, 10. Uh, 10. Over, yeah, I'm over, say, over. Over. I'll take the over. Over. Myson, you going over? I'll yeah, I'll give you an over. <laughs> We're all going over. They're going to mention it five times. Yeah, I'm going over. I wanted to say no just to be a dick, but I couldn't even lie to myself. I'm going. Yeah. The one thing I'm looking forward to in this game is, uh, do you know who the Raiders' offensive line coach is now? The one and only no. Tom Cable. Tom Cable fired oh, from the Tom Cable back in the summer. He's back in Oakland, and uh, we saw what the Rams did to his offensive line the last four years. And so I'm hoping he brings that same same coaching methodology back to Oakland with them, you know, that was so successful in Seattle against and the Rams. His defense- they didn't do anything in Seattle to help him. They, they just didn't address Whoa, that line the way that, they did. That is but, untrue. But they put draft capital on the offensive line year after year. And Jemani Fetty, first-round pick, he's their biggest bust. Uh, the yeah. only guy that they actually did draft and worked out was Justin Britt as a tackle. He played guard. Now he's playing center. And he's pretty damn good. But they have – they have that's a big misnomer because people here tell me about it all the time. They have put draft capital after that, that line, and it just they didn't work. <laughs> but it was, it was Tom, Tom Cable. Tom Cable is is uh, has this belief that he can turn defensive players into linemen. So we don't need you to put that draft cap on. Him. <laughs> how about, how about right? this? It was a it was a strikeout swinging, not a strikeout looking. Right. Anyway, so there there's also talk out there that they might let Donald Penn go with this cut down. So we'll see because they I want to restructure. He doesn't want to do it, and that would be the dumbest thing ever. What? What if would their you? offseason – I'm not saying it's been the opposite of the Rams, but my God, if there was it a team convinced – if there was a team convinced that it was 1962, what are they doing? And it's what one of those things doing? where you got to have a you philosophy and you got to go for it, but woof. You know what? The funny thing about it is, as crazy as the 
ridiculous bullshit it is that uh, John Gruden is doing over there. I mean, Khalil Mack, really? You won't even talk to the guy? Like, he has had <laughs> no conversation. Like, since he has come into the role of head coach, he has yet to even speak to Khalil Mack. That blows my mind. <laughs> you know, one of the uh, arguably top five best defensive players in the league, and you haven't even spoken to him in seven months? That's crazy. But even with that being said, with the Khalil back and the crazy signings and trades and cutting people, like why would you cut your punter when he's probably the second best punter in the league behind only one Johnny Hecker? But, you know, like the things that he's done, I still wouldn't be surprised if they came out there and they stole a wild card spot with a nine and seven record or something like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all because even with that being said, I think they still have a running game and they still have a solid quarterback. I think that they could still sneak in there. So we'll see. But they got Jordan Nelson. They yeah. They don't win Jared any games next week. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know what? They also just have that that kind of uh, vibe of just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde where you really don't know what – year in and year out, you don't know what Raiders you're going to get. Because everybody was expecting when Derek Carr kind of had his coming out part and got that huge contract, you're thinking like, okay, cool, they got the quarterback. And then like last year happened, you're like, Oh, maybe they didn't get their quarterback. And they're like, oh, now they got this number one wideout. He's going to be the shit. Like, everyone's going to, you know, throw the ball to him. He's going to make Julio Jones. And then, no, that's kind of not really a guarantee that that's going to happen. They just have a lot of questions. I agree with Preston. I think they could definitely put it all together and, 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 and make something happen. But if I'm the Rams and I'm going into a week one matchup, I would love to play this roster because they feel like they're fledgling and they have a lot of questions. But you know what? Like you know no, what? I'm willing to bet the Raiders. I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to bet the Raiders are saying, "Oh, we are so lucky to play the Rams, who didn't play any starters in the preseason." Or sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also um, on top of that, I, I think what one thing you don't want to play is just the Raiders because. They're kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs in the sense of they just have that sort of, um, you know, fan base is just like electric, and they have that kind of just extra bit of, of nasty to them that, that you know, they, they just bring some chaos to the game. So in one way, I just don't like, what you know, playing against the Raiders. But um, this year it feels like, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's just going to happen in Monday Night Football. It's one of those weird – Early Monday Night Football games too that a lot of people kind of miss and don't and don't and don't get. Um, oh wait, or is it the later game? Like I kind of get confused. It's the late the, kickoff. The, the, the Tonight, it's the late Yeah. Oh, so so the East Coast gets it at ten thirty. Correct. Is that how it works? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Got it. Um, so then, okay. So then, West Coast has to watch every game at like four thirty, which a lot of people are like, "Oh, really? I'm going to watch a game at four thirty? Awesome!" Right when I'm. Like, you know, finishing up work. Jets, but, what are you talking about? Is. New York Jets, Detroit Lions, the city of Los Angeles is going to be the other two. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, but if you go to Big Wings over and, uh, they're, you know, you get a lot of Jets fans there. But, yeah, back to this game, I, I feel like I don't know who the Raiders are. And when you look at these guys, especially uh, their defense, I, I don't know I, I don't know how they're going to play against. So in one way, I think what makes this game extremely watchable is all of these intangibles that we just don't know what it's going to be like and watch it play out. I don't think it's going to be until like the third quarter that we're really going to understand what the hell's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'll say two things about this game, one about the Raiders, one about the environment. 
The Raiders, because it's John Gruden's first year back and this weird offseason they've had, this feels like a team, A, that's going to take maybe two years for Gruden to kind of get his arms around and to get them to buy in and play his kind of football, or they're just not going to and it's not going to work. Or, or it's going to be one of these teams that in August, in September, in, Octo- in October, maybe looks a bit of a mess, but by the end of the season starts to look half decent and starts to buy in and starts to look like a John Gruden team. The other aspect that I'll yep. throw out there is this could be the last week one for the Oakland Raiders. You know, two years from now, they'll be in Las Vegas. Next year, they haven't decided where they're going to play home football games. So this could be the last run in Oakland, and fans know that, and it's going to make for a really – if Oakland Raiders football already wasn't weird enough, this is going to be even weirder. Man. Have you guys ever been to Oakland to watch a game? Not to watch a game. I've been to Oakland several times. It's an interesting not, place. You've not been to the Black Hole? I have been to game. Oakland several times as well, never to watch a game, but I do know how they rock, and they do I, not play. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I've been to Oakland. I don't think I would go to a game. I don't think if you invited me, Rob, I would be like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the drinks. You don't have an I'll meet you if afterwards. You don't have Raiders if you don't in have between, an Oakland Raiders jersey, there's a very good chance you will yeah, get cut. They don't play I'm good. about intruding fans. <laughs> I got story time for you, fellas. Uh, the Seahawks used to be in the AFC, for people who may not know that. Uh, so the last – I lived here in Seattle. So – uh, the last year they were playing the AFC West, which is a huge Raider, uh, Raider rivalry. My uh, friends here all decided they want to go down and watch one last game, Seahawks Raiders. I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you, whatever. We bought the cheapest seats we could. We flew down. We stayed directly across the street. There's a holiday end, so we stayed across the street. That we went to uh, see a Golden State Warriors game. They were garbage in. Sorry, no Steph Curry. Next day we get up, we go to the game, and uh, we went into San Francisco. To, they were building the giant stadium at that point. We went down and checked that out. We came back in. We're taking the BART in. There's a BART stop right there at the stadium. And as the BART is pulling up, I'm looking off to my right where the stadium's at, and they've got their tailgate going on. Everyone's out there. It's a massive cars of black and smoke. They're burning shit in the parking lot. It's just a huge pile of smoke. And it's like, what in the hell is this? You get off the BART stop. It's elevated. As you're walking into the stadium off this BART stop, It's concrete with cyclone fence going up the top the side, that's the wall, and at the top of the cyclone fence is razor wire leading you into the stadium. It felt like I was walking into the opening scene of like Shawshank Redemption. I'm walking into prison. There's dudes next to me with like teardrop tattoos in their eyeballs. It's uh, I'm like, what in the hell am I getting into? So my Seahawks friends and I all decided, you know, no one's wearing anything other than black. We're just going to go there and wear like black T-shirts, whatever, and just blend in. You're not going to be too celebratory because you know, we don't want to get killed. And uh, so we go in there watching the game, and there's some people down in front of us, about 10 rows, wearing Seahawks stuff, and they're cheering. And the entire game, they're getting harassed. They're getting crap thrown on them. Uh, it was nonstop. I went to the concession stand at halftime. I'm sitting there ordering my food. Some young kid in front of me, he's probably seven or eight, orders a ton of food. The guy puts it down. He tells him how much it was. He's like, oh, yeah, I need, I need one of those. And so he orders like a, a thing of red vines, whatever. The guy turns his back. He scoops up his forty dollars worth of food and takes off. The guy doesn't even bother chasing him. It's uh, it's an unusual environment down there. Um, and the night before I mentioned we went to a, a game, we saw some other people who were Seahawks stuff at the at the Golden State Warrior game, and and there was a young kid in his you know teens, whatever, fifteen, sixteen, with his dad. And uh, we told him, don't wear your Seahawks stuff in the game. You're, you 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 won't uh, last long. And the guy's like, no, no, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. 
So after the game, we go to the game, whatever, we're in the airport in Oakland, we're ready to go home, we're taking the last flight out, it's about 10.30, and we see that, that dad and the son, and the son is all shook up, and the dad's sitting there talking to him, we walked up, hey, how's it going? And they told us, they decided to walk the parking lot to go into the game, and they got surrounded by a group of dudes, and they started pushing on this kid and beating on him, and the dad had to basically pull his kid out and save his life and get him out of there, but it's a rough spot. They don't give any, any crap about anybody. Uh, it's, it's a weird environment. You're in there during warm-ups. They played one song, Hell's Bells, ACDC. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a unique environment like I've not seen in any other place. And uh, they're going to miss that when they go to Vegas because it's not going to be the same. Yeah. But that, that place, there's no atmosphere like it that I've ever been to in any other, any other sporting event. It was, it was just bizarre. I felt like I was watching you know, Gravedigger out there. It was, it was just weird. The whole thing. And I will, that, I will say that this. Lives up to it. It's kind of perfect in a way. And, I, you know, it's not perfect in the way that maybe you personally want to experience it. But from afar, I think it's one of those things that's good for sports. And I know it's weird to say, yeah. wait a second, that's good. It is, man. That's It's okay. It's okay to have a place like that that has a mystique like that. The same way like the Philadelphia Eagles fans are known for being surly Boom drunkards. Like yeah, yeah. There's, there's room for that. And it's supposed to be enjoyable in a – kind of, you know, distanced way. Yes, in real life, is it maybe a little too stabby? Sure. But from a distance, <laughs> it's cute. On the stabby spectrum, it's a little too far away from 0%. But overall, you know, you kind of got to appreciate it. Mike, I know you got to get out of here in a second. Any thoughts when we get to college football, the 2019 NFL draft path is on Thoughts about what we're seeing? Did you watch UCF Connecticut, sir? Did we I lose think, him? I think we lost my son. He put a little message oh. in Slack, so I think we lost my son. I can answer the question for him. Uh, I did not watch UCF Connecticut. I did because he brought it up, and it's college football, and I like to watch it because I'm addicted. It was a very interesting game. UCF's offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch under Josh Heupel. I was really excited by that game. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, I also watched Northwestern Purdue. That was a very good game that was 31 to 27 and coming down to the late seconds. Northwestern was about to have to put to Purdue and give Purdue a chance to win the game, but they took a personal foul for a roughing the player, unnecessary roughness at the end of the play, a classic stupid Purdue penalty to negate any chance to come back. Rob, are you going to watch any college football tomorrow? Uh, I have one team I'm interested in. Uh, I was going to say, you said one, Let's start one with because I know I know you're a UCLA guy, you're a Washington guy. So when you say one, I don't know which one that is. I'm guessing Washington. No, no, I'm a UCLA guy. I uh, I'm interested in Washington for one reason. Uh, I don't really like Washington. I'm not a big Husky fan in any of their sports, but I I lived here. I live here, um, and in this town, as much as people want to talk about the Seahawks, the king of this town is Washington football. Doesn't matter what anyone else is doing, Washington football is the king of this town. And living in this town is always better when they're relevant. And when they're good, it's even better. So I moved here during the Don James years. Don James, if you don't know, was a legendary coach. That man uh, was fantastic. Owned the Pac-10 for the 90s. They had a split championship with the, with the, with the Miami Hurricanes in, what, 92 or so. Um, they were always in the top you know, 10. They were just very, very good. And lots of talent came out of this. DeMarco Farr came out of this uh, this area. And so they went through some rough patch, and now they got a fantastic coach and Chris Peterson. He's come turned around. They played for the national championship a couple of years ago. Now they're back. They're in the top six, I think, right now, top five. 
Um, so life is better when Washington is good. And I always kind of like watch and keep an eye on those guys because they play a fun brand of football. I like Chris Peterson a lot, um, but I always keep tabs on those guys. But then when it comes down and push comes, in, it's, it's UCLA and nobody else. I don't, I don't care about anybody else, but I will pay attention to Washington. So one and a half. Yes, UCLA. I keep an eye on Washington, but I'm not going to be riveted. Um, although they're playing Auburn, so it's a, it's a, it's a I was gonna say, game, right? Yeah, I'm going to be quite riveted. Game. Yeah, if it. It's in the early schedule's not great, especially for the uh, unimpassioned viewer. You got Oregon State at Ohio State. You got Florida Atlantic at Oklahoma. That one could be interesting, if only because Lane Kiffin makes the most out of the Florida Athletic offense. But Oklahoma, if there's a college coach that resembles Sean McVay at the college level, it's probably Lincoln Riley. Uh, they got to replace uh, Baker Mayfield. They got to replace Orlando Brown. A couple other pieces around the team. Uh, including Stephen Parker, the safety uh, UDFA for the Rams, but they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent on offense. Uh, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. You think they that. Maybe the most interesting game from the early slate is Texas Maryland. That's going to be at FedEx Field, the Washington Redskins home stadium. Uh, the other one that's going to be really more Texas Maryland is maybe interesting, if only because people who want to see Texas earn. There's that factor. If you want to funky college football game. If you want one of those, you know how when you got a dog, you got a dog, Robbo. You know how when you yeah. do something that, that taps into a dog's brain and into it like his DNA and the dog does that, what the fuck? Look where he looks at you like, what? <laughs> like if you want one of those kind of games that you look at it and you're like, what is going on? It's Ole Miss Texas Tech at NRG Stadium. That's the Houston Ooh. Texas Stadium. That's a weird, weird game. Ole Miss has seen an attrition of a bunch of players because of the penalties they're facing for the NCAA. Shea Patterson, their quarterback, trans- uh, transferred to uh, Michigan. Texas Tech is just a weird, weird run-and-shoot team. Uh, is, is I, I don't know. It's just a weird one. Do oh, that's the last it. I says, Mike Leach still there? Uh, no, Mike Leach is coaching Washington State, remember? He was yeah. up there right. last year with, uh, what's his name, the quarterback that just came to the NFL. Not to oh, Texas Cook Kingsbury, uh, yeah. a disciple of Leach's. Who played Falk. for him at Texas Tech? Last time I watched Texas, Texas Tech, I think I think it was Mike Leach. As the last time I watched. Oh, Texas. well, you're missing some weird football. Get you some weird. That might be a good one. That's on ESPN. That'll start pretty early. I think that's a nine o'clock kickoff for you. But it's did good you, breakfast football. Did Did you watch Michigan State Utah State today? I did not. I was following along, but I didn't get a chance to watch any of it. Are you watching? Uh, you know I am. I've got Wisconsin on right now. Throttling um, Tyler Higby's. Uh, had to yeah. watch. They got Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line stack. Definitely got that on in the background. You got we'll Stanford, San Diego State? A Kansas must. State? That's a must. That's a That's, must. That must happen. Yeah, it's, uh, what, 16-7, Stanford? 13th Early, This is an interesting Stanford team. They're going to take some time quarter. to build into the season. They do have Bryce Love. Bryce Love's going to take over this game. He's going to take over this season. Stanford is uh, thought they, it to be like a challenge for Pac-10 South, right? Them and USC. So, they, they, can be a, they can be a challenge for the Pac-12 overall. Sure. They could definitely yeah. in the mix. Obviously, the difference for them is their schedule early is pretty rough. They got USC week two. It's at home, which helps them at Oregon, at Notre Dame uh, to finish out September. That Those are, you know, if you're to, and then to finish the season at Cal, at UCLA. So the schedule isn't really doing them any favors. They throw in, by the way, November 3rd at Washington. So, right. yeah. Not well, helping two, them on the schedule. Week two, I'll be a big Cardinal fan. 
Sorry, uh, Rams fans, but uh, if you see it, USC loses, it's it's a good day for well, me. Well, not all Rams fans are USC fans. There's some UCLA fans out there. That's about right. That's about yeah. right. It's a it's that's, a pretty heavy heavy majority. It's, that's it's LA's pro sports football team until this year. I mean, well, I, and I, here's I what I'd say: just just like the Rams, and, and just like LA, you've got to build on history. And Correct. USC's history over the last twenty years. Trump's UCLA's history. It is what it is. But if you're someone a UCLA asked, fan, go someone ahead. asked me how I became a UCLA fan living in Los Angeles, growing up there. I said, well, you know, when I was young, UCLA was the good team, and USC team. sucked. Yeah. Uh, Terry Donahue won the Pac-12 like eight years in a row, nine years in a row. Uh, it was they were good. Yeah, uh, so Pac-10, but whatever it was, uh, but they 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 had a streak against USC where it just didn't matter. Then I you know I move and come up here, you know. That USC team hires some some guy who's now here in Seattle. They they end up going to run and they've just kept it going. So you know, like you said, history. Props to them. And Definitely. they have they have a very rich program because they were fantastic sure. up through the seventies and sixties. They just had a little lull in the eighties when I was forming young and watching football and they just weren't good then. So uh, I was a UCLA fan. That's the way and it goes. Also, and just like the Rams basketball. with the small so, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, sure. The basketball, you know, a completely different factor than the NFL. But I was going to say, just like the Rams, if the Rams have a period, we have one of the smallest fan bases in the NFL. But if we have a period where we're where we're hitting the postseason every year, you're going to see this fan base double, triple in size. And I know I've seen a lot of people complaining about bandwagoners. That's something you got to deal with, man. When you start winning, guess what starts happening? Watch week two and look at some of those red seats. Sure, you want people in them. I don't care how big that place is. There's always room for someone else. Always. What was it? What was always funny was at the beginning of the first couple of years when we got back to Los Angeles and I would talk about attendance or smaller fan base, the people who always got upset were the people who were going to the games, right? right. And it was like, no, right. guys, that's no, not no, about not you. About I'm talking you. about the people who weren't there. No, it's not about you. It's the, it's the other, Don't you know, how many million people in L.A. who aren't there. That aren't paying attention. Uh, right. The middle of the slate on Saturday, really good. You got Washington-Auburn. That's going to be at the Robot Anus in Atlanta. Wonderful game, wonderful stadium. Going to be an awesome environment. Got us in Washington travels well. Do you know how good and complete of a coach Chris Peterson is? Speaking of that game, he's incredible. He's very good. He wrote, he wrote into the contract that you can't open that dome. We're going to have it at seventy two degrees, or I'm not playing there. He's you're not really gonna good. Get me, he's, you're not going to have me get my guys ready in Seattle where it's you know it's sixty eight degrees in the summer and and, and coming out of Georgia yeah. and coming out of Georgia and sweat. No, no, no. We're going to keep that thing closed and we'll play at seventy two and we'll go. Uh, it's interesting. They, they talked about that a lot here a lot this week. But continue. He's very good. Uh, West Virginia versus Tennessee. Tennessee is one of those programs that's going to need a while. They fired Butch Jones. They had the off-season drama where they tried to get Greg Schiano drama. And they, and they, uh, fast. they lost the they lost the best player uh, in, on the Rams team. There you uh, go, John Kelly. Players, right, John Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, coordinator from Alabama, takes over. They're playing one of the best offenses in the country, West Virginia, coached by Tina Holgerson, who I used to want as offensive coordinator. They've got maybe the Heisman candidate with Will Greer. They've got a perfect kind of Cooper Cup style uh, uh, wide receiver form in David Sills. With oh, a little bit more downfield speed. There's one Cooper Cup. Hey, David Sills is impressive, man. He, he could get drafted before Cup. Uh, they're playing in Charlotte where uh, the Panthers play, the Carolina Panthers, Bank of America Stadium. That one's going to be on CBS getting the full treatment. Really, really good games. UNC starts with UNLV. That's not going to happen North Carolina Cal, that's going to be on Fox. I don't know that that's really a big one. Those two games, the uh, Washington, Auburn, West Virginia, Tennessee, are going to carry the middle of the schedule. 
get into the evening. I'll be front row at the UNT SMU game. Nobody's going to watch that. What everybody probably will be watching is either Michigan, Notre Dame, or Alabama, Louisville. Two really, really good games, really interesting. And that will be our week one, man, and, and at least for Saturday. Sunday, you, you got this – college football is starting to do this thing on week one where they tail off with these phenomenal matchups. Sunday evening here in Dallas, AT&T Stadium, where the Dallas Cowboys play. It's Miami, LSU. Miami ranked sixth, LSU number 25. Monday night, Virginia Tech at Florida State. Both top 25. Virginia Tech obviously bringing back Justin Fuentes, year two as head coach. Florida State, first year under Willie Taggart and Jimbo Fisher now at Texas A&M. It's going to be a lot of good college football. I recommend people, you know, a lot of it, have a couple of beers, grill some stuff, enjoy the Labor Day weekend. What do you think, man? What's your takeaway from week one of the college? My my takeaway is uh, Chip Kelly's going to start off 1-0, and uh, all my USC friends are going to be salty because they aren't going to start off 1-0. They play this week. I don't even know. I haven't looked. Does USA play? Ooh. Are they opening USC, or do they play just yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when they lose to to the running Rebs, sure. And uh, sure. And my and my Bruins are sitting atop. Uh, you know, guys like the Prof will be salty and slack, but that's all right. That's 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 that's, that's what I got. Um, my definitely happen. Again, it's it's <laughs> watching UCLA. I'll be checking out uh, you know Washington. I probably won't watch any other games. So. We have to get Myson back out here because so you guys can, you know, you know, keep this kumbaya college sports. I don't know, up. man. He picked UCF Connecticut. Lad. That was weird. That was not <laughs> – when we were talking about the schedule of all the games, when, there's plenty to pick from. UCF Connecticut, like, wait a second, man. You're supposed to wait till the show's done to start popping pills. That's not <laughs> – He did have to leave early, so. He did, maybe. Maybe that's the alternative. <laughs> Instead of popping <laughs> early and coming up with something weird like UCF, I'm just leaving. I just out. So we'll have to see, man. It's uh, going to be a fun weekend of college football. Obviously, stay tuned this weekend as we start figuring out the 53-man roster. After That's on Saturday, again, 4 p.m. New York time, 1 p.m. LA. Sunday at 1 p.m. New York time, 10 a.m. West Coast, is the opening doorbell for forming your 10-man practice squad. Uh, Rams obviously will have the opportunity to put some of their own guys, but also look at personnel files that's sent to the league that lets you know who all is available uh, and who they can pluck from elsewhere. And after right. that, if we go into practice week, man. They're going to have the first half of the week off. Then it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, since it's a Monday night game, heading up to Oakland and getting the 2018 season underway. Man. It's Thursday, we're less than a week away from NFL football. From an injury report, you know how juice I am for injury reports. That's how you get. That's how you know I got the blog life. Is I want my injury. <laughs> that's damn right. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, the, week one. I'll let you boys go Rams. See ya.
sock. I catch you with the door and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, cause I don't want dick running over me. This is baby's face and I don't yield. I'm a Texan fool on the football field. From the Jersey Shore to Baboa Bay. If you run at me, you'll have a bad day. This is RB, no speedball brown. The fastest man in the whole damn town. Cars and ladies are a part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need for speed. Out to make a run. With shades on, I can catch a BB in the dark. So now you're ready, and I'm sure you'll agree. The ramming is fun when you're ramming with me. Goodbye, Daryl Williams. We hardly knew ye. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.